As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Two days ago, I went to the gym, and I already felt kind of good about myself because I was going to the gym, and I hadn't been going yeah. to the gym, um, and I decided to be extra productive, and I <laughs> I um, put on my headphones, as I usually do, and I was thinking, you know, what do I want to listen to? And I decided I wanted to recall the Spanish that I had learned in high school. <laughs> And so I thought, I'm just going to listen to a Spanish podcast um, and just see what has been retained. So it turns out nothing was retained. <laughs> so fast, right? Was, you can't keep up with it. I was so it. confused. Well, I was listening to like a beginner Spanish podcast, so they were talking kind of slow. Um, but yeah, then I, then I just switched to music. That's crazy, Maggie. I literally started reading a Spanish book yesterday that I found that belonged to my parents at one point um, because we're going to Mexico next month mm-hmm. and I wanted to also brush up. So that was kind of coincidental that we it's were both amazing checking that out. Because I, the- I actually had Mexican food two, two days ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So we are all in sync. Yes, we are. I love well, it. since we're all synced up, let's roll the intro music or... To Carla Musica. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. So Maggie, Mom, and I went to the Fox Theater yesterday, and we saw the musical Chicago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you first got into that music, you were at grandma's house. <laughs> we had mm. left you there. I think you spent the night with them or something when Incorrect. we were on a trip. No, I, I'm remembering details wrong. Go ahead. That is not when I first found Chicago the Musical. I first found Chicago the Musical when we were on a trip in Germany, and Mom gave me her old iPod. Oh, And I was just scrolling through the tracks on that, and I found Chicago the Musical, and I was sitting in the backseat on those long drives listening to it, envisioning these giant numbers. I was young, too. I was a child. Well, what I remembered was you were at grandma's house and they had the CDs or, well, I guess they probably had cassette tapes or something. No CDs. Yeah. And then you were, you were playing those and you had choreographed when we came to pick you up, you'd choreographed a whole number to one of the songs and you're performing this. Now on the one hand, it's like, wow, that's amazing. And on the other hand, it's like, that's really inappropriate for you to be saying those. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was really, really a good show. I I loved it, and then um, there was a lot we learned about it too, because we were thinking, man, this show's been around a long time. 
And it's based on an actual true story in 1922 of a murder where this woman killed her lover and tried to blame it or pin it on her husband. He took the rap for it. And somebody said, well, that, that would make a really good play. Well, it was even more than that. It was all the corruption from the the Chicago, prison the, the to politics, the, the yeah, news, to the like the politicians, whole. everybody. The, yeah, the newspaper people. It was a, it all was corruption. So they tied all those elements in, but it was originally just a stage play, not a musical, in 1920, like four. And, and then it kind of sat dormant for a long time. And then in the 70s, Gwen Varden, who was, do you remember that name ever? She was like really no. a ma major factor in musical theater, Gwen Varden. And her husband was Bob Fosse. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, you know, Bob Fosse, amazing choreographer. Yeah. So they mounted it and it had a really good, it was just like a crazy time for him because he was just getting off of another play and Three, per, three productions, right? Yeah, back yeah. to back. It was like this was his his time, his decade. Um, and then they did the court. They did that, and it came out on Broadway at the same time as a chorus line, like almost identical. And which was really kind of unfortunate timing yeah. because they were nominated. Chicago was nominated for eleven, I think. I don't know a lot. Eleven Tony Awards, and they won none of them. They all went mm -hmm. to a chorus line. Man. And so it just kind of ran its course after like 900 shows, which is pretty good. And then just kind of faded away. And then until, until <laughs> many, many years later in kind of an encore series of like shows that are unlikely to ever get staged again is kind of like the whole realm. They put up Chicago, but they did it in a really scaled down version, which like the band on stage and all the actors in like these simple, simple outfits, kind of, you know, sexy outfits and then um, real minimal staging, lighting and then hit Fosse's choreography. And uh, and that's the form like that. That encore form is what really they, they're still do, doing today. Yeah. And it's been now running like much longer than yeah. Oh, yeah. a chorus it's line. It's long surpassed uh, a chorus line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the second largest, longest running um, play on Broadway or, yeah, I guess Broadway um, behind a uh, Phantom of the Opera. No. Which is about to retire next year. Yeah. I thought Wicked was the longest running. No, 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 no. Wicked's fairly, fairly new. No. <laughs> well, f compared to to these plays, Chicago and A Chorus Line. We had a very different experience watching this play. I was watching the first half totally into it, <laughs> amazed and mesmerized, just absolutely entranced by the whole show and the costumes. And I didn't see any of it. Yeah, and mom was sitting next to me and saw a very different show because the I, had, I didn't have anyone in the seat in front of me, but in front of her was this rather tall woman <laughs> and, and she could not see around her head. Mm. And it's just so powerful. The difference of just a little yeah. bit of perspective <laughs> can make in your, in your experience. We switched at the intermission and she enjoyed the second half much more. I think. Much more. <laughs> okay. So I looked it up long and this is from Wikipedia. So it has to be right. Longest running <laughs> phantom, then Chicago, then Lion King, then cats, which is absurd. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cats has, has closed though. <laughs> That's the thing. Some Which was also one of the shortest running movies, I think. Yeah. And then I, I never liked it. Fifth, fifth is Wicked, Sixth is Les Mes, Chorus Line, um, 
and then all the rest have kind of closed. Lamus has closed, and of course, Line has closed, though. Wild. How about that? So we wish you were there. Oh, and by the way, Bob Fosse, did you know that that's who invented jazz hands? I, knew I that. did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very stylized dancing, very. Bum. Impl- yeah, very cool. Very Bum. just amazing to watch. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I'd seen it before. before. Yeah, exactly. But but it was like something about it this time. I just enjoyed it just a bit more. You know, sometimes you're in the mood for something, I guess. Yeah. I feel that way about New York right now. I'm really wanting to go to New York. I think I might plan a little a little trip. Sounds good. Cool. I've got a speech coming up. I don't know when it is, but I think it's early next year to New York where we're actually going to plan. We'll be staying on Times Square. You should like, come. Like we did. And uh, yeah, you can come with. We can see some musicals. Invite the whole family. Yeah. (laughs) Eddie can come too, and then we'll record the podcast in Times Square. On time, yeah, in Times Square (laughs) with some surprise guests. Whoever decides to stop. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That guy who walks around wearing nothing but like the American flag or the Elvis in the Times Square, he can be like the the guy who comes on our podcast. Maybe not, maybe not. So what's been going on with you lately? I, um, so it's like full swing Halloween. Halloween goes on for like so long in LA. (laughs) It's two weeks of parties. I have bailed on two parties this week in which I stayed home and crocheted and watched Peaky Blinders until I went to bed. (laughs) That's pretty pretty frightening. (laughs) No, I know. I was talking, I was texting one of my friends too. And I told her, I said, I'm I'm in kind of an antisocial era. Um, and she said, she was like, I love that for you. And I told her and I was like, yeah, it's good for my soul, but kind of bad for my career. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need to be going out. And, it's and it's like anti-networking. <laughs> yeah. And so I, um, I've got more parties this week and my Halloween costume just came in. Do you guys want to guess what it is? I know last week I, I told you guys, I'd tell you, do you want to guess? It's Jenna and I are doing a pairing costume i think you are um, animal vegetable or mineral <laughs> no is that the i don't remember it's a character it's going to be a character from uh the wizard of oz she's no. dorothy your toto <laughs> no <laughs> no um, we are characters from a movie all right. And we are Shark Boy and lava girl oh, my. oh that's gonna be good <laughs> do you want to guess who's who um, I would say, <laughs> hmm. I think you, hmm. I could see it going either way, yeah, actually. Yeah, I could too. I bet you're Shark Boy. Wait, Maggie just ran away from the microphone and I feel like the she camera. Did. She's going to be coming back with, I think, a piece of costuming in just a second. Hold on, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. And by the way, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Ah, it's Shark Boy. Oh, she is Shark <laughs> Boy. Fin. She's got the fin on. There you go. Oh, Very wonderful. Cool. Nice fin. Thanks, guys. So I actually, I ended up um, getting this online and... A lot of this is a, a man's costume. And so I decided that my best bet was to order a child's, a boy version of this. Sounds yep. good. And it's an XL. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, it fits. So nice. I'm going to try and decide how to make it kind of cute because 
I I do want it to be kind of cute. It was really funny. I was at a Halloween party the other day, and I ran into someone who was uh, like a guy who was in this costume, and I told him I was like, "Man, you're lucky mine got delayed, or this would have been awkward." <laughs> <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, I know the podcast drops the day after Halloween, yes. but but so you'll have to listen to next week to hear how the party went with Maggie's Shark Boy costume and with our trick or treat extravaganza yeah. and the performance that we're going to do at our house with the porch night at his full glory and all of that. Um, so that should be amazing. We're really looking forward to it as well. Is that waterproof, Maggie? I, I can just see you swimming in the pool with the, the, with the fin. <laughs> I don't think, oh my gosh, that'd be funny. A diving video. Yeah. Oh, there you go. The inspiration. I think it just happened. It's getting so cold. Bring it when you come Thanksgiving and we will see. Oh, because then it'll be warm. (laughs) No, I like that. I like that for you that you're confident enough that you don't feel like you have to go out. You know, you basically like, I could see my friends when I see my friends, but. Oh, see, that's not the thought process though. What the is thought it? process is I'm tired. It's going to be so much effort. I've I've felt more awkward socially lately in like large settings. Um, and so it's just like a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah. I heard a great tip really that just reemphasized something I'd heard and knew before, which is if you're feeling awkward in a social situation, focus on the other person and try to make them as comfortable as possible. When you try to make the other person more comfortable, then you're tuned in to them and you're looking up, looking for and picking up on cues. And now you're responding just naturally to what's happen happening as opposed to feeling like you're inwardly focused, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. You're outwardly focused and just doing what comes naturally because of your attention. The power yes, of but perspective. Then, then you're back to even more effort. Like it, it truly is so much effort to be around that many people and to like have conversations and like, I don't know. I just haven't been up for it lately, which is I heard okay. that's the definition of uh, the difference between extrovert and introvert. We've mentioned this before too. I think if the, an extrovert gets energy from being in a, a situation with a lot of people mm. and introverts lose energy in that situation because they feel drained by it. They feel like they have to, you know, come up with it and compensate. And that's why I think I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert. I'm not an extrovert. I always thought I was an extrovert. Yeah, I I get drained. It depends on the people. If I love the people and if I know them very well, I'm I'm very much comfortable and just want to continue to explore. Um, Yeah, I think when you get in a social situation, you usually, you can go into it tired and you get energized being there. Yeah. I guess I can flip the switch yeah. for sure. We were in a couple of social situations uh, this week. Went to a wedding, went to a funeral, same day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How- and they were both really amazing in, in different, very different ways. Um, the funeral was first and mom didn't get to go because she was watching our doggies. But um, there's a, a friend of mine from speaking Gene Greisman, who was just an incredibly brilliant man, a college professor. He'd written multiple books. He'd interviewed world leaders and amazing people from like Ray Charles to Tennessee Williams to, mm. you know, you name it. He had this, this show on uh, Turner Broadcasting. He was one of like Ted Turner's first shows that uh, Gene hosted. And then he'd write about that. And then he got into acting and then 
speaking and he decided he didn't want to act because he didn't like auditioning. So he just <laughs> created a character. Yeah. He created a one man show as Abraham Lincoln, which he did um, all over, including the Ford theater where Abraham Lincoln got shot. He actually performed Lincoln in that theater. Um, and so this was his funeral and it was a really very cool experience. You know, I, I like, you know, when you attend a funeral, you always think about what's the impact of my life going to be. And it was just like, after this one, I was like, wow, I've got some work to do. <laughs> That's you know? how I always feel. Cause like, I suck. <laughs> he really, really touched a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and I, and we got to, Eddie got to meet him. He, we went to lunch at his house this year and he would, he, I thought this was such a cool way to spend the end of your days. Um, but he couldn't get out as much and things like this. He hired a personal chef. He had a, a personal chef who lived with him and would just invite friends over for these amazing meals that his friend, Stacy, who was the chef would cook. And it was just like, you'd sit and visit and have these long conversations. And it reminded me of the book Tuesdays with Maury. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like lunchtime with Jean and it was really, really amazing. Very fun. Yeah. yeah. And then Very we went sweet. to a Thurman wedding, which was crazily fun and yeah. off the charts. Down, downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Who's wedding? Brenna, Brenna and Jonathan. So, so Jim and Patty Th- Guthrie's Guthrie. daughter, uh, second daughter to get married. And, you know, it, it caused me to really think and realize I, what I already knew, which is I've got so many family members and first cousins, even on that side that I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like totally recommitted to wanting to change that because that's family, you know? And I, and I, I love them and love yeah, spending time so around cool. them. Oh yeah. You FaceTimed me. I did. Well, I FaceTimed- there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, I was out with people and I was like, this is weird. He never FaceTimes me. I got to answer this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. If that was a little awkward to be no, passed around good. at a wedding. I but. just knew that it was like not just a catch-up call because he FaceTimed me. No, I mean, you know, everybody was asking about you and it was just kind of like spontaneously thinking, oh, I'll just bring her into the experience. But it was fun. It was like fun to be with them. And then we eventually left and the party was still going big. And it's kind of like, oh, I wish I could stay and like get to know everybody, but you realize, I mean, I know them, but it's not like I'd really, yeah, I'm not. Well, weddings, weddings, you never get to spend as much time with people as you want, you know? But uh, one thing before we pass on that is that one thing I thought was really cool was, so Brenna wore this gorgeous wedding dress, looked absolutely fabulous. And then, um, during the reception, her mom, Patty said, oh, uh, Brenna's wearing my wedding dress. And I was like, what? And she goes, no, not that one, but she's going to change into it. And so after a little bit, she had taken her mom's wedding dress and turned it into a short dress. And it was so cute. It was like, Aww. now it was like a cocktail dress type of thing. Wedding, yeah, wedding cocktail dress. She had the sleeve shortened and it was just like a really cool, like fun, like almost like a going away outfit kind of thing. Yeah. And she was wearing white sunglasses and then dancing and it was just really neat. And I had been to her, to her mom's wedding too. Oh, wow. I performed so at her sweet. mom's wedding. Yeah. Do you think you'd want me to take your wedding dress, mom? Only if you wanted to. But no, no pressure. I I had intended to wear my mom's wedding dress at one point, and uh, 
I think we didn't know where it was. We'd lost track of, track of it, but um, I do have my mom's, which was made by my granny. Aww. So if I ever renew my vows with your dad again, which we've already done that once, I might wear wear my mom's. That'd be cool. That'd be really sweet. Or you could make my wedding dress, mom. Yeah. I was going to say, or I could wear it for Halloween. <laughs> Get with the Bride of Frankenstein wig. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> Maybe next year. Another crazy thing I did this week is I went to the world's largest bouncy house. Really? Yeah. How big what? is the world's largest bouncy house? You know, I couldn't tell you, um, <laughs> but it was quite large. It was like a bouncy park. I guess technically it was one bouncy house, but there were like so many different areas mm, and like things to rooms. do inside of it. Yeah. Is it multiple it levels? In, were there people bouncing on top of other people upstairs no, and downstairs? No. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. You could like, there were slides and stuff, um, oh, but there wow. wasn't like floors. Did you have pictures or video? No. <gasps> what? I live in the moment. <laughs> See, and I, I was bouncing. I, I was busy. But it was really funny because cool. I was there with a bunch of friends who were all grown adults. And then there's these giant children. Not giant children. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the there kids was, were saying. Look at these giant children. There was a bunch of children. That's what I meant to say. Um, a considerable amount of children. They saw us, and you know how kids get excited when they see older kids. Um, they kind of want attention and <laughs> things children do. Um, and so they kept telling us, they were like, bounce us, bounce us. And we were like, guys, this is not going to go well for you. We were like on like a little mountain bouncy thing. And they were like, yeah, yeah, bounce us. And we we're like, you know what, fine. And so we just start jumping, and you see one by one these children just falling off the edge. <laughs> bing, bing. I'm oh like, all my right, God. all right. You asked for it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's neat. All right. Next time I want to see some pictures and video. Mm-hmm. Definitely video of, of bouncing kids. <laughs> yeah, I have a goal. Um, I came across a goal that I set last December. And, you know, in my in my workout sessions, I keep a list of all my pro- of my my workouts. So I'll get in there, I'll write the date on this big board that, that mm-hmm. keeps a digital copy of what everything I'm doing. And I write the date and I write the skills that I want to do. And then I could like, I plan a workout, a juggling workout, and then I check them off after I do them. So I'll like do my thousand catches and then I'll do like 20 overthrows and then I'll do like pirouettes and I'll have to hit 10 of them before I can move on to the next, you know, whatever. I set all these little mini goals and one of them was with contact juggling. And I set the intention to do the body roll where you roll it down one arm and across your chest and around the other arm, hmm. which I can always kind of like fake it and get away with it. I was going to say, I thought I've seen you do it. Yeah. But I, <laughs> but I always get nervous. Like I, I'm always afraid if I do that in public on a stage in front of an audience, like I could lose it and you don't want to drop the ball because that's, it destroys, it destroys the whole illusion. Um, and so I'd written, get this trick solid in 2022. And so I looked at that and I was like, well, I've got two months left this year, so let me just really get after it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was doing this morning. Nice. But it, it, brought, it brought to mind the whole notion of, um, you know, goals and desires and intentions. Intention. Um, they're all very different, right? You know, you might have an idea of something that you'd like to do. You might even have a desire of something. But then, and those are all good. And then you might have an intention, like this is, a, this is what I want to do. 
Um, but then whether or not we follow through is it does, it's a question of willingness and how much time it takes and what else is going on in your life. Uh, and all of that, like a couple podcasts ago, you expressed an interest in vlogging more. Yeah. Right. How's that going? Are Um, you going to, is that something you're serious about or was it more of just like a desire? Uh, TBD. Yeah. It's a huge commitment, right? Yeah. And I'm focusing it, it'll, it'll come around. Yeah. I, um, I heard about an interesting study this, this week. I've been spending a lot of time really thinking about how the brain works and how we represent our world in our own mind and how we can be more intentional about creating things in life. And so I was listening to a podcast kind of around that subject and, um, I learned about this experiment and it was about how we represent and model our world in terms of, um, how we see things and PC people in front of us. And the experiment was they had this student going up to a stranger on the street and asking for directions. And so they would be pulling up this map and they would make a, like they directly interface with this person so that they definitely saw each other. And then they would put up the the map and like kind of block themselves. At which point another student would come in and take the place of that student behind the map so that when they lowered the map, it was a completely different person. And, And the idea was the person who was talking to this person would not would not know the difference. Mm-hmm. They did not recognize the fact that it was a different human being. And mm-hmm. the notion is when we encounter certain people in certain situations, our mind is always looking for the simplest way to process our environment. And so it like writes a routine of something like I'm speaking to a student, I'm speaking to a young person and puts you in a general category that's not necessarily an individual, but it's just this kind of like, you know, placeholder of that yeah. type of person so that you can like not get too sucked into that person in specific. And then when another person also fits that same kind of category you've created, your mind doesn't necessarily even process the difference. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. Yeah. And so when you think about it, you know, back to the whole kind of like wedding gathering and stuff, it was, it's like when I think about my early interactions with cousins and things like this, where people like I rarely see, I think I have categories in my life. And I think we all do of people. We decide we're going to get like really, really close to. And as long as you have a few people in your life in that category, who you can trust and you can be friends with and, and love, then you feel good. And then there's other people where you interact in a way where it's like, okay, I'm going to maintain a relationship, but I don't necessarily open myself up as much or whatever. It's like we have those types of categories. So maybe that's something useful to think about when you're, you know, navigating your own social situations. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I think that we just tend to kind of have a social capacity sometimes. Actually, I think it depends on the person because I – I have some friends who it feels like they have no social capacity and they can be best friends with everyone. Um, and I just don't really have that social capacity. I need to kind of like have a, not a smaller group, but just like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I understand your brain working in a way of kind of like compartmentalizing like that. It's about, yeah, self-protection maybe to a degree and 
and just kind of management of resources in terms of how much energy you put out or how much emotion, maybe how much you make yourself vulnerable to different people. There might be some kind of self-preservation instinct that's kind of built into our psychology. Um, yeah, I think we're drawn to people, like especially if you went into a networking kind of environment, we're drawn to people that are more outgoing and more open and more inviting. But then a, most people, I think, go into those situations feeling very closed off. They're, they're uncomfortable. They don't want to be there. And so it's hard to draw people to you. It's hard to make connections because you're giving off vibes of like, uh, I just want to be invisible. So, but then once you make a connection, so you go up to somebody, um, and you know, like, oh, I, I really like your jacket, whatever. The next thing you know, you're talking about clothes and, and then you're talking about places and then you're talking about, and all of a sudden you, a whole different person appears that you, <laughs> that you didn't see originally. So you never know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know what you mean though, Maggie, about certain people who like can know everybody yeah. and can immediately like bond with people and get super close to them. Um, I don't feel like I have that, that skill. Like I have that capacity. See, that that's so interesting because I also would say that I don't have that, but I know that you've been described as this. And I have been told that I am described as this of, they feel like I do know everyone, like not like everyone, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh no, I just feel like you talk to a bunch of people. Like you, like you go to a party and and you know a bunch of people. I think that Yeah. What? What were you saying? Well, I I think that I can get into that mode in real social situations where maybe I should open up and get to know people more. Right. Where you should have a personal connection instead of a performance connection. Yes, because my yeah. instinct see, is to be the performer. Right. I love having personal connections. I Me really too. do. And like and hearing people's life stories and like getting to know them. Um, it just solely does depend on my mood that day and mm -hmm. how I'm feeling. And if I'm in a, in a mindset of, yes, I can, cause it's, it's a lot of work to learn a new person. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I have that energy that day, then I'm so down. But if I don't, then I feel like it's a disservice to both of us to be like, yes, let's really dive into who we are as people right now when like, I just don't have the capacity for it. I don't know if any of that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And back to like my friend, Jean, there were some really interesting stories at the funeral that came out because a lot of people, um, a lot of people spoke and because he was a pro professional speaker, a lot of people were really amazing at speaking and his uh, daughters both spoke and they were incredible. And, you know, in any of those situations, so you find yourself thinking, what's my funeral going to be like? Mm -hmm. What, what would my kids say about me? What would my spouse say about me? If, if you survive me and like, exactly. And, and then, but, but what Gene was so amazing at is he, he knew everybody and he, knew so much about everything, but he never really spoke. I mean, he never really injected himself to, imp to impress anyone. He was the, he would take it all in. He'd elevate the conversation. He would get to know you um, at a very, very deep level, but he was so humble that he never kind of professed his own knowledge. You had to almost dig deeper to get to that. Uh, but you were, you were mentioning coincidences. Mm -hmm. Get this. So one of his daughters said, so Gene played Abraham Lincoln for the longest time. 
And she's like, I never really, you know, I always look for signs that I believe that there's more to this world than just us. And, you know, that God, God presents himself and that people, you know, our spirits never go away, et cetera. And she talked about driving and she'd never noticed a cloud formation like this. It was completely backlit. And then the, uh, the clouds opened up and formed a profile of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and as she, and, and then the clouds kind of as clouds will do, Turn as into you something else. turn into something else mm -hmm. and it turned into a picture of her dad. Oh, wow. And so it was, it was both of those things that was cool, but this was even cooler. So Jean had hired a personal assistant, this, this guy who, um, just amazing human being, long dreadlocks. Like he had said, I answered a, a, an ad in Craigslist for a personal assistant and never expecting this would change my life because mm -hmm. he would travel with Gene and they were like the most unlikely couple or the most unlikely pair of guys. People would never know what to make of them. But um, he said when Gene had his heart attack, which was kind of like the beginning of his end in, the, in Hawaii, he called the insurance company to activate his insurance for this situation. Like that whole process got going and out of all the, the thousands of agents that you could, that could have been receiving those calls. The man who received the call was like this guy, his personal assistants, best friend oh, who, wow. who he talks to every day on the phone. And wow. he said, and so he found out about the heart attack from this personal connection. And then it, that's when he said, man, there's no coincidences. You know, you mm. were talking about the crazy yeah. things that happen in your life. That's just proof positive that like, like the, the, this, the, this story was written and, and I was supposed to be in this man's life all along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. So I don't know. I get thinking about those things. It's wild. Yeah. We should do a whole podcast on coincidences. But not this one. <laughs> Although that's a pretty cool one. Yeah. This one is wrapping up, but who knows what we will talk about next week and if we have any coincidences throughout our week. That sounds great. Yep. I have a lot going on, and I'm sure you do too. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please let us hear from you. We, uh, we do have some questions queued up that we need to get to, but ask us a question on the podcast at wholesomechaos.com. Suggest a topic, and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. We are so grateful to be a part of your life. And so, Maggie, have a great week. Take care of yourself. Take you care of your friends. You too. Love you guys. Give everybody my best. Love you too. We'll love you, babe. Love, we love you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Max and Dads, wholesome chaos. Max and Dads, wholesome chaos. So mom handed me this note, or I, mom found this note, and I don't know what it's all about, but it says on the outside, day two to mommy from Maggie. See if you remember what this oh, was. Okay. Dear mommy. This is day two. How is Texas? You will have to tell me about Texas and puppies. Whoops. <laughs> Tanya's puppies. Tanya and Tanya's puppies. About Tanya's puppies. I hope everything is okay with granddad. Inside this is a warm hug and kiss from me. And then it says hugs and kisses. You open that up. And There's another it's, folded it's thing it's within empty. it. Well, yeah, because, but, but there was the hug and kiss, but, I suppose. The next thing says, uh, and the best part 
is un, it's unlimited. <laughs> the hugs and kisses that? are unlimited. I love you so much. Don't forget about me. <laughs> Don't forget <Aww>. about me. <laughs> <laughs> you say that on a few of your, your notes. Don't forget about me. Was that a real fear of mine as a child? <laughs> I don't know, but you wrote it on a few of your notes. Apparently. I love you. I'll never forget you, Mags. Ha- have a good Please. week, Maggie. And, and don't forget about me. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.